you have reached a phone call from Paul. A Literary Hub podcast. To hear more, visit lithub.com. Paul Holden Graber's conversation with Karl Uwe Kinausgard. Hello, is this Karlov Knausgaard? Yes, it is. How are you? It's it's Paul Holdengraber calling you. Hi. I'm so happy to talk to you. Where do I find you? Uh, I am in the car in Simmelsham, driving. Where are you driving to, if I may ask? I have just uh, delivered my oldest daughters there. What are they rehearsing? It's Annie. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? A- A- Amy? Annie? You know Annie? Oh, yes. Annie? Yes. Yeah. And, and do, you, do, you, do you watch her rehearse or do you just go to the final performance? Uh, I do watch the, the rehearse, but today I have my little youngest daughter. She's only two. She's in the back of the car. I have to go back home today uh, because I am alone with all the children. So I have four, you know. Yeah, that it's it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I must say, having two um, felt like a lot. I I didn't want to have more because I didn't want to be outnumbered. I see, uh, but I did exactly the opposite. I, I said that we should have three because we need to be outnumbered. It's good for them. You think we do need to be outnumbered? Yes, I do. That was my plan when I had three children. The fourth was kind of not outside of everything, but the three first, that was the plan. That they should be outnumbered us. And they, 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 we, we need to have them because they need each other so that they can talk about their parents. Yeah. They can complain, they can, they can love, they can hate, all of it. And they are, you know, independent uh, units by themselves, which is good, I think. I think it is a good thing. I think it is a very important thing. And they are also part of a, a, a collective memory. They, they, they will remember things for each other about their parents and about their upbringing, about their trips going to sea, uh, to be taken to Annie. Do the, do, do, is, is performing in plays something that happens often? You're in Sweden, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that is part of the curriculum? It's, um, I don't know really, but here it is, uh, it is every, they, they, they put it up every summer, and you must every summer. So my children, this is the third season they are doing it. And this is, this is Malmö. Yeah, no, this is uh, really, it is, I live on the countryside, and it's a small village called Simrisham, which is, you know, 30 minutes drive away from our house. Right, because I remember going to Malmö when I was uh, in Copenhagen, you know, at the Black Diamond, where I've done a few things. Um, I I went to Malmö, and I, I imagined, I imagined you walking those streets. I remember coming to one of those squares and, and a kind of old square in Malmö. 
Yeah. Um, which I, I can't remember the name, but it was very beautiful. And then I went to a sculpture garden near there. I can't remember the name of the sculpture garden either. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a park, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah, I think I know. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, so your the the fifth volume is is coming out in America soon, and there are two 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 more to come. Uh, it's one more to come. One more to come. Yeah. Is there any any form of excitement in you at 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 this opportunity of a of a, of another book coming out in America? <laughs> it's it's more, much more of a relief that I don't have to actually write the book. They're just coming out with no effort, you know, on my side. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. The, the, the effort has been done. You you must be wondering, you know. So they're, 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 they're coming out and I didn't even do anything. Yeah, that's right. It feels <laughs> magic. <laughs> it's, it's all done already. Yeah. And that's the writer's dream, you know. Yeah have the book to publish them and don't write them. No, but it's, it feels, uh, it feels, uh, it feels good. And they, the books are so different, so I never know what kind of reaction it will get. So this book is much more of a page turner than the others, somehow. Yeah. A impression from the readings, you know, from other people. Do you have a Do you have a sense what what will what will what will strike America in this book? No, no, and you don't care, probably. <laughs> no, I don't care. That's right. Uh, but that sounds very ignorant. But I'm, yeah, I have left book you know and I do that when I publish it and, and I I'm not waiting for a reaction I'm not waiting for something to happen I just it's there I've done it it's you know it is what it is I'm happy if people like it if they don't it's um, it's fine it's not fine but it's I mean I have changed completely in that aspect during the publishing of my struggle because before I was very very aware of what people were saying and, and, and it was very important for me the reviews and, and you know the but in response sure there's been so much that it's kind of it's an overload of, of reviews and feedback so I and it has made me much freer you know I'm publishing books now and I I can do that completely differently the response, the response, Matt. I, I know that when we we met at first, when when the first volume came out, it was a whole, it was a whole different ball game. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know, I I, I witnessed uh, Karlov, I I witnessed that um, that tipping point with you, where all of a sudden, I mean, I, I don't think in all these years I've ever experienced anything such as I experienced with you. I don't think I've ever told you that, but from, you know, a lot of people wanting to come hear you to overnight having thousands of people wanting to see you. And I became everybody's best friend overnight. 
and and you know it made me it reminded me of a wonderful line by Rainer Maria Rilke um at, at the very beginning of his book on Rodin he says that fame is but the collection of misunderstandings that gather around a new name yeah yeah the good quote isn't it yeah it is <laughs> Yeah. And it's sort of, you know, I imagine for you it it takes you it takes you in a in a place where where there there must be just a lot of a lot of anguish because who are they looking at? Yeah, but I I try not to go there, you know, I'm driving through this landscape and I, I stay here most of the time and and I am working very intensely with a book I have to finish in really in a week and and that's what I'm doing t- if if you don't mind my asking t- tell me about the book unless you feel it's 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 bad to talk about it I'm just curious you know briefly and and schematically what what kind of book is is um is occupying you now yeah it's um Part of a quartet, it would be. Uh, I published one book in in the autumn, one in the winter, and now I'm publishing one in spring and then one in summer. So it's four books. And the first two has been texts, uh, one word, one page, one thing, one page, about objects in the world, you know, like everything you can imagine, really, cars, water, vomit. Uh, all kind of things, and they are introduced with a letter, which is authentic, uh, which I wrote to my daughter when she was unborn. So it's, it really is, you know, here is the world as I see it. Uh, this is awaiting you. And then there are these texts, uh, and I really love the format, you know, the short texts uh, where you, you know, start the day writing about the toothbrush and and you have nothing to say about toothbrushes, but then, in the end of the day, it's, uh, it's a wonderful text about toothbrushes. That's an exciting way to work. So it's no psychology in it. But then, are you there? Yes, I'm listening carefully. Yeah, yeah, and then, but the, these two first books, it's 120 texts, 120 objects. And But in, in, in book three, I uh, felt I needed some movement. And then my daughter is born, so that book is kind of a narration of a day in her life, and this is was very difficult to to make. So I've been struggling really hard with it. It's it's meant to be very you know light, but then there are some dark stuff that has been going on. So I need to write about, uh, and I've been I don't want to go into my struggle again, you know. So I try to make it differently somehow. And this is a, a short story then in maybe it will be 60, 70 pages, something like that. A hundred in a book. And then the fourth book will come with short text again. It's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's go through the, the, the seasons are very important in it. So it's very much winter in the winter book and very much spring in the spring book, you know. But you know, brevity seems to me an important choice for you now, considering that that was hardly the choice for my struggle. And I'm 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 reminded by what I think was a very good question 
from Ben Lerner when he spoke to you in New York about your your origins as um, someone who who loved and had such a good poetry teacher. Yeah. yeah this is related to that. Do you, are you familiar with Francis Ponch? Uh, am, am I familiar with him? I um, I so adore him, and I have a story to tell you about him before you tell before you tell me anything. If you don't mind, forgive me. I just have to tell you this, Karlov, because it is incredible. Um, I I love Francis Ponge. I love particularly one of his texts on on the need that architects should pay attention to homes that have enough plugs for electricity because they so often don't have enough electrical outlets. <laughs> and um, yeah. it's, it's highly comical. Ponge, like Perec, had an incredible, serious intent, but was very funny at the same time. And, yeah. and a friend of mine was writing in the days when I was a pretend academic. I had friends who were writing very serious dissertations. And he was writing a dissertation on Francis Ponge. And he called him up. And Ponge said, Excusez-moi, monsieur, I'm so sorry. I am not well. I am sick. Um, I would love to see you. Of course, I applaud your effort. I'm not sure that the choice you have made of me as a subject is the right one, but good luck. And my friend said, Monsieur Ponge, before leaving you, if you had to write a book now about a simple object, let's say a toothbrush, if you had to write a book about uh, a poem about a, a poem, I think he called them, about a, a simple object, what would it, would it be? There was a silence on the phone much like our phone call now, and Francis Ponge said, I would write a poem about a thermometer. <laughs> because that's, that's what was in his life. What was in his yeah. life was le thermomètre. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that was it. But tell me, you were going to say something about Ponge. Yeah, no, it was just his text. I read him, and there was a very good translation to Norwegian in the early 90s, which I read then. And I really, really loved the texts and, and you know, everything and, and the objects he was about them. And, I, and since then, I thought I should do something like that one day, you know. Uh, so this is, this is a very paunch-like book I've been writing. Well, it, it felt like that to me. And, and you know, there is something in, in the um, extreme concentration um, yeah. you know you, where you're squeezing things down to the essential yes and, and when you are, you are completely free and he's completely free you can write about you know a loaf of bread and, and it's just wonderful wonderful prose you know but, but because also uh, who, who but you and, and by, by but you, I don't mean just Karl Ove Knausgaard. I mean, who but you in the sense that very few people do pay attention to things sufficiently. I mean, you know, there's a, I, I'm sorry to sound so highfalutin, but there is a gesture here which really reminds us of the origins of phenomenology, of, you know, Husserl and people of that nature who were, who, 
Ponge himself were deeply influenced by, you know, deeply influenced by the object in itself, looking at it really with, with concentration, attention, and maybe even a form of love simply by virtue of giving it time. Do you know, by the way, uh, I'm sorry, this is leading us in, in directions which are tremendously exo uh, esoteric, but do you know a French philosopher by the name of Henri Maldinet? Maldinet? Yeah. No. M-A-L-D-I-N-E-Y. I will send you a reference. Uh, it, it's a book called Le Lait des Choses, The Legacy of Things. And it's a book written from a philosophical point of view on the work of Francis Ponge. And, uh, and for some reason, I think you need it. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's really, it's really about, about common, common things. And I think, you know, the other person I mentioned who I so love, Karlov, is, 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 uh, Perec. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's wonderful too. You know, he, he talks. But in a completely different way. Completely different way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe less disciplined. Yeah, maybe not a poet. No. So, 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 was Ben Lerner right when he said there is this pull back in you towards towards poetry? Um, I don't really know. I don't read much poetry anymore. You don't. No. Do you, uh, you you don't read well, much you don't read much more anymore why uh, it's just I don't feel I have the time and it doesn't feel like work anymore it feels like leisure and I can't I mean if it's like I don't don't find the time and so much to write and to do but I did write uh, an absolutely wonderful book now uh, which is well known uh, you know um, the, the Nobel Committee in Sweden. Of course. There was a yeah, but it was a, he, he was a, he was the, um, secretary for them, Huras Engdahl. Yes. And he's uh, he's uh, he's also uh, he writes uh, he writes too. And there was an interview with him in in, in Swedish television one hour, and he said he has been divorced and has been through a kind of a crisis, and he said. You know, he was talking about the darkness and how how miserable he was, and seems like he was on <laughs> on the brink of suicide. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, just to fix something. Take take your time. Yeah, yeah, just two seconds. Sorry about that. 
Not at all. It's part of being on the. Fo- it's part of being on a phone. <laughs> yeah. So he was talking about that. Uh, so unlucky. Uh, and then he said, but then he read something, and it saved him. And it was like, and the interview tried to make him say what book it was, and he didn't want to say it. And then in the end, he said it was to Genyev, you know, the hunter's sketchbook. Uh, and they asked, why? Why did that book save you? And he said there was no answer to it, but he thought he never thought that literature will, you know, um, hold the whole way through in the interview where it was real, you know, in the real life, so to speak. Uh, I can't say it in English properly, but, but you know, that it's, it's, it was good enough. It, it, uh, and then I thought I, I just have to read this book. And I, and I did, and I completely understand what, what he meant. It was such a, such a wonderful book. It was absolutely some of the best I've read ever. I have to I have to make an admission here, which is I have not read it. No, because it's it's completely unambitious, you know. And there's there's no there's not not even a project, it's just him wandering around writing about the people he meets, uh, and the nature and that's it. And it's like uh, and it's only sketches. But it has this power <laughs> of presence. It's like you are in 1840 in, in Russia, you know, and I read uh, Tolstoy at the same time, and, and that's wonderful, wonderful novel. I read War and Peace again, but it still it lacked that present, and I saw it immediately when I wrote, when I read Turgenev. And then I read Father and Son and his other stuff, and they are not even close to where he was um, when he wrote that. And it's, the, it's so unpretentious and, you know, easy, and you can see it's like it's really it's like a really, really great painter doing something with no effort at all, but it still is, you know, magical in a way. So that's that's the last thing I read. Who made an impression on me? Well, uh, and 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 what an impression! And you know, it, it strikes me as as we grow older, you know how many of those kinds of experiences, such as the one you described, do we have left in us? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's... It's, um, it's, it's, it's to, to be so overcome by something so powerful... Is rare. I mean, one has to be present to the, that presence. One has to be present to Turgenev describing things that make you feel as though you're right there. Yeah, I think you you must need it. That's what what it takes. And if you need it, you are open to it, and you can you can take it. But you really need to need it. And I did when I read it. Do you? Um do you watch movies? Uh, very rarely now. Uh, I'm sorry that someone knocking. Yeah, it, it's difficult and uh, because there's so many things. Yeah. Can I come and book that up? Okay. I can come and book the trap with that up. Okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. Not at all. I, I wish I knew what you said, but I agree. 
people are speaking a lot and now about Asne Sayestad. Yeah. And and that book which is so extraordinary and and reading an article yesterday in the New York Times about how how um Anders Breivik, I think you say, is yeah. is he's feeling that the 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 um prison is not treating him well. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's wild. It is insane and 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 saluting you know he came into the courtroom salute doing a a, a nazi salute yeah it is frightening it really is and and you know here we are talking about that and then and then thinking about books that may save us in some way yeah You know, one thing I would love to do one day is um, is bring you together in conversation with Lars von Trier. Yeah, we talked about that when I saw you in, in New York. I think it would be. Do you know, I think it would be. Do you know him? I don't. But you know, one one. I mean, people can one one. I mean, it's it, it's amazing. No, the um, this little program I've started now with a literary hub called A Phone Call from Paul. It simply is doing something very old-fashioned, which we don't do very much anymore, which is speak to each other on on the phone. People actually don't don't particularly like it. They they like to text or to email because it, I I suppose it keeps a distance. It interrupts, but in a different way. And so, you know, my, 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 my guess is I would try to find a way of calling him and saying, I have an idea, and I'm not even sure why it's a good idea, but I imagine that you and Carlo would have things to say to each other that you don't even know you have to say to each other. Well, that's very optimistic. <laughs> I'm a bit afraid of him. Are you? Yeah. You have not met him. No, I've never met him, no. Well, we should try one day. We should definitely try. I will. I will, with your permission, I will I will just um, see if I can get somewhere. I don't give up easily, as you may know. I know, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, Karlov, what a pleasure, what a pleasure it is to talk to you. And um, yeah. and and I, I I look forward to seeing you hopefully when you when you come come to this country and if not maybe in Denmark Norway Sweden or somewhere else um, it doesn't really matter where you're yeah it would it will be good to see you and and I I I wish you well with with Annie and 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 with uh, the four children and. And with what you will do for 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 the Syrian refugees and and for I want to know from you what you think of Henri Maldinet, this this incredible French philosopher who wrote about about Ponge, you know, because it really is it it, it there's a, a beautiful gesture here of of going back to the simplicity of things, 
you know, Benjamin has this line where he talks about the sex appeal of the inanimate. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's something that is extraordinary about just looking at something for for a while and seeing what happens. Yeah. So I I, I look forward to to seeing what happens when 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 this happens to you and also to seeing what happens when these books with one word on each page uh, get published in America. Do they have an American publisher? Yeah, they do. Oh, they are good. Oh, good, good. If they are, then that's in the nature of uh, the writing, very insignificant, you know, it's, it's very, it's very small. But it has been fun to do, and... Uh, and how wonderful that that you've stayed with Archipelago Books. You know, I love all these independent book publishers. I just think they are essential. They also save us. Yeah. You know, they do things that other people just simply wouldn't do. Yeah, that's right. We're so, having a festival in New York in May. I have a publishing house uh, called Pelicanon, so we'll try to have some of the writers uh, to come uh, in New York and, you know, readings and discussions and so on. Will you let me know? Will you let me know? And I, I will. I will definitely come. And and hopefully we'll 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 see each other and have a stiff drink. Yeah, that's very very nice. So let me know if you come to Copenhagen again. I I definitely will. It it, it will happen. I'm going to be doing something with with Copenhagen um, with uh, the Black Diamond Library on the Arctic Circle. On yeah, on it's so important, you know, on on everything that's happening there, um, and and I know it's a subject that interests you as well, of course. And so, um, when it develops a little bit, I'll tell you more. Yeah, sounds nice. Good. A, a warm regards to you, and thank you for taking my call. I really, really appreciate it. It's been wonderful to talk to you for this half hour. Talking to you too. We'll see you then. See you soon. Take care of yourself. Good care. You too. Bye bye. Goodbye. Bye. Criminal Broads is a true crime and history podcast about wild women on the wrong side of the law, and I'm the host, Tori Telfer. I'm a true crime writer who started Criminal Broads after realizing that I was uncovering far too many out-of-control and terrifying stories about criminal women to fit in a single book. So, if you like stories about female cult leaders, con women, women who undergo <laughs> seven sessions of plastic surgery to avoid arrest for 14 years and 11 months... Uh, women who hung out with Bonnie and Clyde, or serious speculation about the deranged theory that Jack the Ripper was actually a woman, I think you'll like this podcast. Look for Criminal Broads on your favorite podcast listening app, or follow along at instagram.com slash criminalbroads, where I post a lot of photos so you can look deep into the eyes of some of the murderesses we'll be talking about. See you there! (laughs) 